everyone, my name is Patience Nitumwesiga. Welcome back to Mbaganure Podcast. Today we have Zoe the Storyteller telling us the story of Rachifera. Rachifera is a story from um, Bunyoro Chitara and in Runyachitara when you're beginning to tell the story you say Mbaganire Mbaganire Tevere. Great. So Zoe is going to come into this chair and tell you this um, story. Feel free to engage with her. Feel free to enjoy yourselves and we will also talk about the story after. Mbaganire Mbaganire Tevere Once upon a time there lived a family Rakifera and his wife Bajaja and their nine children they lived happily in abundance with no worries. One day, their village was hit by a very serious famine. They lived for weeks on the food they had in their granary. But because they had never had famine and they had nine children, they couldn't live in that land anymore. The famine had lasted too long for them to stay. So Bajaja got a basket put in all her nine children and carried them on her head. She told her husband that they had to go look for food in a different land. Rakfera followed her as they walked in search of food. They walked for miles and miles without seeing any food. Sometimes they would rest under the tree and Bajaja would leave the children with Rakfera and searched the wilderness for wild berries to keep them going. One day, while her husband and children were resting, and she was out in the wild looking for berries, she stumbled onto a well. She was excited and ran to see if she could find some water, and she found even better. It was a well of milk. She hurriedly scooped some milk, and while she did, the well spoke to her and told her not to tell a single living soul about it. So Bajaja went back to her family with milk, and they were excited to see her. They drank the milk and felt satisfied for the first time in a long time. Rakfera asked his wife where she had got the milk from, and Bajaja told him, it was a gift that Nyamhanga, the creator, had given her. Over the next couple of days, they stayed in that resting place. Bajaja would go off and bring some milk and they would drink and rest some more. But Rakfela wanted to know more and was not satisfied with the answer that his wife had given him concerning the milk. So he followed her discreetly and watched as she scooped a little milk for the day from the well. When she was done, he came running to her and asked her why she didn't scoop more, since there was a well. Bajaja asked him to be polite and respect the lake, but Rakfela laughed <laughs> at her and called her stupid for leaving all the milk for other people when they could take all of it and feed it to their children. He quickly started slapping it and collecting way more than he needed. In the process, the well was angry, and it dried up. Aww. 
Rockefeller and Bajaja went back to their children, this time empty-handed. Bajaja was mad at Rockefeller for not trusting her and for making the well angry. But she chose to look on the bright side and take some rest. After a few days, hunger began to bite again. The family packed up and resumed their journey. They moved through lands equally struck by famine and rested as often as they could. One day, when Bajaji was out looking for berries again and Rockefeller and the children were resting under some shed, she found a little animal that danced around her. The little animal started to poop millet flour and asked her to spread her cloth so it could give her some of it. Bajaja spread her cloth and the animal popped flour enough for the night. When she had tied her cloth and was leaving, the animal begged her not to tell anyone about it. So Bajaja took the flour back to her family, made some porridge and some millet bread. Rakfeda was curious and asked where she got it from. And as before, Bajaja told him that she had received the flower from Nyamhanga, the creator. This went on for a few more days until Rakfeda grew impatient and decided to follow Bajaja when she was out. He saw her meet the animal and spank it lightly on its butt after she had put down the basket in which she carried her children. He watched as the animal popped the flower and as Bajaja said thank you. But once again, his impatience overcame him and he came out of the bushes, startling both his wife and the animal. He asked why she didn't hit it some more so it would poop more flour. Instead of just getting a little bit, he got a stick and began to hit the animal on the butt. And the animal ran away and they never saw it again. After another few days, Hung began to bite and they resumed their journey. They were so tired and so hungry and tired of walking. Finally, they saw a house in the distance with a large tree in its yard. They walked to it and found no one home. But as they looked through the house, they found a store with lots of game, obviously hunted by an expert. They were so glad that they didn't wait to ask for permission. They cooked some meat and ate it and felt relieved to finally have food again. Later that night, while they were waiting for the owners of the house to return, they saw a monster come home with the day's hunt. The monster was happy to see them and told them that with a couple and their nine children, he had hit the jackpot. He told them that he would let them stay at his house, but that he would eat them one by one until they were all in his belly. Bajaja, being the woman with quick wit that she was, told the monster that she would gladly feed him with her family. She told him she would start with her eldest child 
and cooked them all for him every day. He went out to hunt. When he came home, he would find dinner ready every evening. Oh, the monster liked this plan. What a good deal, he said to himself. So, the next day, the monster went out to hunt and told Bajaja to cook her eldest child for him. She agreed. But when the monster had left, she took her basket, put it in the large tree in the yard, and told her eldest child to climb up and hide in the basket. She went to the monster's store and found some good meat, cooked it, and made sure it tasted nice. When the monster came back that evening, Bajaja served it the stew, and it was very pleased. It told her how her firstborn was very tasty, and that she had prepared the child well. The next day, the same thing happened. For nine days, the monster went to hunt, and Bajaja prepared it meat from his meat store, and hid the child she was supposed to cook up in the basket. She fed her family with the same meat, and they loved it too. On the tenth day, Bajaja promised to cook her husband for the monster while it went out to hunt. And when the monster returned, there was no rack feather. It smiled and told Bajaja that her day had also come as he would prepare her and eat her the next day. Mmm, Bajaja told it that she was such a good cook. She would prepare herself piece by piece for him. He need not fail to go to hunt on her account because she would give him what he wanted. Mm. The monster agreed. And the next day, when it went out to hunt, Bajaja said her goodbyes and promised to cook herself. When the monster was gone, she cooked him one last meal, took some for her family up in the basket and left the rest warming up on the fire. When the monster returned, he was very happy to see a pot of delicious-looking meat on the fire and no bajaja. He was so happy with himself and he ate and got oh, very satisfied. After his meal, the monster sat outside the tree in his yard, basking in the sun and the fresh breeze on top of the hill. He licked his lips, reclined in his chair, ah, and sighed with satisfaction. Meanwhile, up in that same tree, in the basket that Bajaja had brought her nine children in, the family tried to hide quietly. Rakfella badly wanted to pee and did understand why Bajaja was asking him to wait till the monster went to sleep. His peace simply could not wait. He wanted to go down. So Bajaja asked him to carefully spread his pee in the direction away from the monster, from up in the tree where they hid. Ah, but Rakfera was too consumed by the need to relieve himself that he did not think about the direction. So when he discreetly spread his pee from the basket, it landed on the monster's head. 
The monster felt something warm trickling down his forehead and looked up. Hey, who's there? He called. Shh. Pachaja motioned for the children and the husband to hush up. Ah, but Rakifeda was too scared to keep quiet. He started shaking. And when the monster asked the third time, he stood up and shouted, It's me! Rakfer and my wife, Bajaja, and our nine children. Bajaja was very disappointed. But since Rakfera had already outed them, she couldn't take it back. The monster questioned Rakfera about what had happened. And Rakfera said it was not his fault. He said he was very okay with the deal they had made with the monster. But that it was his wife who had cheated him and hid the children himself and her good self in the basket. If anyone needed to be punished, it was her and not him. The monster asked them to come down so he can eat them. Ah, but Bajaja quickly bargained her family's way out of this predicament. She told the monster that roasted humans are more tastier than raw ones. And if he really was keen on enjoying himself, he ought to build a fire to roast them. Ah, the monster was excited, having tasted the tester meals Bajaja had cooked. So it gathered a lot of firewood and made a huge fire under the tree. When the fire was ready, the monster told the family to climb down. But Bajaja convinced him that they were too scared to throw themselves in the fire. And he needed to climb up the tree and throw them in. So she asked him to find a rope which they would use to carry him up into the tree where he would be able to throw them all in the fire. Hmm. The monster found the rope and threw it up in the tree. Bajaja, Rakfera and their nine children all held onto the rope and pulled the monster up. <clears throat> When the monster was halfway up the tree, directly above the fire, Bajaja gave the order to drop him. So the family let go and the monster fell into the huge fire he had made. As he screamed and burned, the family climbed down and watched him die. They took over his house, his loot, and lived well until the family passed. And that's the end of the Rakfera story. <laughs> this is a very unpopular opinion, but men have always been women's source of trouble. <laughs> In every way, but on a serious note, I think on a personal note, this uh, shows me that there are repercussions for every action that we do. Mm -hmm. Rajfera is one who likes to drain or take, especially from nature, and there are repercussions for every action that he does. If, if, if it were up to me, if I were the wife, <laughs> if I wouldn't leave him the first time he drains away, I probably would have left him after starving us or leave him there to starve, but he has a cool wife, so. I think I, I want to jump in there. I looked at it in a different way. Um, I feel like um, when I look at Bajaja's, you know, story and how she is resourceful for the family, how she's always looking at, you know, when you're in a situation, you don't have to look at it 
from a negative point of view. Sometimes <laughs> it's really just giving you an opportunity to explore with your mind, be resourceful, find something. And in this case, we are looking at how she's, you know, looking at nature and not just looking at it as just something there. You know, you have to think about how to work with it to make something for yourself. So I think that's what I'm taking away. She's becoming resourceful with the situation she has. And there are repercussions yeah. for those who are not resourceful. <laughs> no, for those who are not yeah, resourceful. That's, that's what I'm taking away for now. Two sides of the, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yeah, so Bajaja is so hardworking. And uh, she realizes the husband is not like her. <laughs> she tries to cover she up. Loves yeah, husband, she covers up know? the, the yeah. husband's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And this can show that maybe in such cases, we should matter about the family, the well-being of the whole family, instead of an individual. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the Pick children survived. Picture, right. Yeah, the yeah. children survived. The husband is still there. But the bigger picture, what are the children learning from the relationship of the mother and the father? Bigger picture, since we're seeing bigger picture, what lessons are the children, the nine of them, drawing from this very toxic relationship? But I totally agree, um, especially in how she sees the bigger picture, like he said, because she could have focused on, like, the relationship between her and the husband and how it just... He was like basically making everything not work. His relationship with me- nature is messed up. He wants more and more and more. He doesn't care, you know, how are we treating nature? How are we, you know, are we getting enough? You know, are we getting more than we need? He's all for himself. But she sees the bigger picture and says, if I let him, you know. We see a lot of that in today's world. <laughs> <laughs> Man for me, for myself, and my stomach. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a really good story. The first time I actually listened to it, I was like, okay, this is just like about how men mess up. <laughs> I still think so. But when I looked at it more, I thought about how generally as um, a human race, mm-hmm. we we tend to... I mean, it's not just him, right, Shvira? A lot of us, like, treat nature badly. A lot of us mess up. But if, you know, everybody just abandoned us, then where would we end? I hope that after surviving the monster... (laughs) But I really like how the woman... Or picks up the pieces Mm -hmm. and joins everything together. Maybe the story should be that um, the world should start looking at us more as, you know, people to lead, as women, and Mm -hmm. take more... Um, yeah. from us as decision makers and trust us better than what we see today. I actually think for almost all the stories, I see women leaders. Like people always say like African society is so patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. But in most of the <laughs> stories, <laughs> white man's story, that one. In most of the stories, like I was, uh, you know, telling a few people, most of the stories have been told. You see like women oh, yeah. leading every, and these are stories that were the passed matriarch. on by both men and women, but they do show women Women in like a different light than yes. we see them to treated today. So, Great can you imagine if that judge. were today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine it's like that. Today, today they would praise the guy and say like, "Dude, woman, you're taking over your man." <laughs> your but it's also <laughs> sometimes we find ourselves presenting the, because of patriarchy. You have to present the man as the one who is really being the resourceful. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm looking at. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for joining us again today on this episode of Mbaganire podcast. Today's story was Rachfera, originally told in Rinyachitara by Namatov Kellen and narrated today in English by Zoe the Storyteller. It was recorded, mixed, and mastered by Sozi of Gorilla Waves. And the music is written and produced by Ntleng Ntlongo. Find us at mbaganire.buzzsprout.com and we're also available at Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at mbaganire underscore mbaganire and on Facebook at mbaganire. I'm your host, Patience Nitumwesiga.